Thank you for tuning in to the Starkey Multifamily Podcast. I have with me Craig Simpson. Craig, thanks for coming on. Thanks um, for having me. Glad to be here today. Yeah, so we've got uh, uh, Craig is a, an expert in direct mail. So I'm going to let Craig introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about you and, and what you do. Sure. So I'm a direct mail consultant. I've been doing direct mail marketing for over 25 years. I've had something in the mail just about every week for the last 25 years. So I've got a lot of experience just mailing all sorts of stuff. I've sold courses on how to drink water to working with chiropractors, dentists, doctors, real estate agents, big companies like Mercedes-Benz, all the way down to small mom and pop uh, retail, um, retail stores. So direct mail is what I do. If you want to talk to me about Facebook or billboards or TV, I'm, I'm helpless. I don't know anything about those areas, but um, direct mail marketing is, is my passion. It's what I love and it's, it's what I do every day. Yeah, and, and direct mail is, is probably one of the, um, you know, one of the, the longest standing effective marketing methods out there. So we're going we're gonna to kind of talk about direct mail in general, and then we'll kind of tie into multifamily a little bit uh, toward the end. So, you know, I guess probably the biggest thing is, is why direct mail? What, what, is, what is the advantage there? Sure. So when you think about marketing channels that you have options to, to, to use to promote your business, to buy houses, do whatever it is you're doing, you've got different ways in which you can approach your prospects. Most of them, you can push a button and they're gone. So if you think about email, anything online, a click of a button and that ad is, disappears. The TV and radio, you push a button and they're gone. Direct mail is the one advertisement where the prospect is forced to physically do something with your, with your advertisement. So it shows up in their mailbox, they carry it to their kitchen table or to their desk. They have to look at it before they throw it away. They can't just throw it away because they don't know what it is yet, right? Is it a bill? Is it a letter from grandma? What is it? Is it an invitation to a, um, to a wedding, a birthday party? So because it's physical and tangible, it's different than all other media. And that gives you the chance to get a hold of the prospect, get their attention, and make them do something with it. And it takes a, a period of time for them to take that to the trash or recycle bin versus one click of a button, you know, less than a second and it's gone. It's, it's not like that with direct mail. So because of its uniqueness, that's what makes uh, direct mail so special. So I like that tangible part. You know, we've talked to a lot of people that have, um, and specifically in multifamily, they do direct calling. Um, so how, how would you compare like a direct mail to physical calling? Well, I think the, the difference is it's easier to get something in their hands than it is to get somebody to pick up a phone. You know, if you were to call 100 people, how many of them on that one phone call, one at a time through 100, are you going to get on the phone and be able to have a conversation with versus direct mail? Everyone's getting their mail. They have to go through their mail because there's important things in there. So, you know, when you compare it to calling or email open rates, direct mail is one media that gets almost 100% viewership on it because of they have to address it in some way. Uh, the other thing that's unique about direct mail is that um, the mailboxes are empty compared to what they were 10, 15 years ago. There's not as many solicitations in there, so it's wide open. It's not like your email box, which is completely full, you know, 100 emails plus a day. Your mailbox may only have 10, 10 or 12 pieces in it, if, if, if that even, maybe significantly less. 
Plus there's the feeling of it, you know, with a call, you're forced, they're forced to address the conversation right then and there. With direct mail, they're looking at it when they're ready, right? They're gonna, if they're not, don't have time to look at the mail that night, they'll put it aside and look at it the next day when they've got time. With a call, they're forced to deal with you right here and now, which may not be an opportune time. So that's one more uh, benefit that I see to direct mail. So do you track, uh, oh, I'm sure that you do, but um, have you tracked different industries as far as uh, customer acquisition costs as far as direct mail goes? And, and you know, obviously it's not an exact science, but do you have like a range of for, let's say we wanted to acquire a, a multifamily, what would somebody expect that one, you know, one uh, lead would cost and then maybe one actual person to get a hold of? Is there a way to kind of figure that out? There is. It would be tough for me to figure out right this moment. I don't have it. I didn't have it in mind before the call to look up what those numbers would be or what it would projections would look like. But yeah, I mean, the cost per acquisition, you know, cost per the customer response, it ranges greatly from industry to industry. You know, I do uh, mailings for chiropractors and we try and get um, people with diabetes into a seminar um, where they can learn about a treatment program. Obviously can't do that right now, but normally we can. In the last two and a half years, I've put 50,000 people in seats through direct mail. There's other products where we're selling, you know, anti-wrinkle cream and and so every, every space has a different response rate. Some, some of my clients are mailing to absentee owners and they're trying to purchase properties or purchase distressed properties. Those response rates are gonna to be totally different than somebody selling an anti-wrinkle cream. It's just, it's different for every niche in space. So I can't give you a great answer on what is the cost per acquisition for this space. Yeah, and, it, and it's and it's tough because on you know apartments we're we're hoping to get like one you know out of a large campaign. So and that's and that's probably the biggest uh, hangup I think from my personal point of view is you know I could be looking at several thousand dollar campaign to maybe get a lead there. You've mentioned uh, earlier before we took out on the phone, but there's several touch points. So it's it's not just the first touch point but it's, it's many touch points. So how do you get past that, um, you know, for something with such a low success rate, especially on an apartment acquisitions, um, how are you getting past, um, past that big investment with no guarantees on there? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing, there are a couple things, two things. One, we need to make sure the list is targeted enough. So if you're looking for an apartment and you wanna purchase it, what is typically the key characteristic of the person who owns that apartment that makes them more likely to sell. So is it is age a factor? If somebody's in 65 or 70 years old, are they more likely to sell the apartment? I would say so, yeah. Um, bad health, maybe just recently lost a spouse, would that make them more likely to sell? Absolutely. Okay, so now let's take this list of all apartment owners. Instead of mailing to all of them, let's narrow down to, to those who are over the age of 65. And then also, let's see if any of them have. Um, there's a there's a file that uh, a file that has all of those who are recently deceased. So let's see if anybody matches the address of somebody who's been recently deceased. Now, if we've got either one of those categories, we put them into a file that we say we're going to mail to. Now, instead of mailing to maybe a thousand, maybe you're only mailing to fifty, but you can mail those fifty multiple times for a lot less than you can mail those thousand one time. 
So now you have a more targeted approach. You have a more targeted group to go after. That's the first thing. The second thing is we have to think about the return on investment. If you're able to purchase an apartment building, what is the typical profit that you make? And you've got to kind of back that out to say, wow, it's worth mailing to them five times in order to get one lead that I can turn into a sale that I can then purchase this apartment building and uh, make X amount of dollars. The return on investment becomes great. I think what we have to look at is maybe we have to adjust our expectation of how big our universe is, right? The universe may not be a thousand people. It really may only be 50. So we have to hit those 50 hard and we have to hit them multiple times, but the return on investment is great. So that's a great point. So you're, you're suggesting that um, a very targeted uh, marketing, at least for the multifamily, would be more a better ROI than just saying, let's hit everybody out, you know, untargeted email or not email, but letter, yeah. um, you know, and, and sending it all out. So you're suggesting having maybe 50 or 100 very specific targeted yeah. letters would be better. Yeah, exactly. You know, and like we were just talking about a minute ago, every niche is a little different. You know, um, for those real estate investors who are going after absentee owners, we mail really inexpensive postcards. We mail like 5,000 a week sometimes or 5,000 a month. We only may get 20 leads out of that. But if two of them, you know, on average, we get two of them to, to end up letting us buy their home, the ROI is significant on it. It's great because of the amount of profit that's made on those two homes. Well, for them, they can mail the masses and do well. For what you're doing, it doesn't make sense because they're, they're, you're, in, you're going after a, a more of an investor um, type than somebody who just has an extra home that they're renting out type of a thing. So we have to be more specific on your list than say somebody who's going after just someone who owns an extra piece of real estate. So what is the effect of touch points? So, you know, are you getting any at all on the first touch point? Or, you know, are you getting a lot up front and then filter, you know, kind of tapering down or is it the opposite? Are you starting out small and getting big? How is that working on multiple touch points? It's different with every campaign. Um, ideally, what I like to see is, and what I traditionally see is that the first mailing gets you the highest response and the other mailings after it don't get quite as strong as response. But the reason why you keep mailing is because of, you need all of those responses in order to get enough calls, you know, enough consultations where you can eventually close a deal. That's good, because that's another part that I think has a lot of people uh, maybe a little bit fearful is that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm committing to three, four, five, six mailings, yep. you know, and maybe I might not get any results from the first or second, and, and that's, that's right. kind of the, the scary let's point. Say, let's, let's get the math on it. Let's say you found 50 targeted prospects to go after. And it costs you a dollar a piece to mail them a letter, $50. And let's say you do that, you know, 10 times. Now you're at $500. But what happens if you get one, one deal out of that? Is that $500 worth it? Would it be worth it to spend $1,000 or $2,000? Probably so. So you have to look at the return on investment. And if you know that those 50 people are your targeted prospects, you have to do everything you can to get their attention. And maybe the millions are different. Maybe, you know, ultimately you want to sit down with them and have a conversation. So maybe one, one offer is for a free cup of coffee. Here's, here's a Starbucks gift card. Maybe another offer is for free information on the 10 ways that you can, um, you know, 10 advantages to selling your property. Or maybe another one is a free report 
on something else, right? You're trying something different with each one to try and find what's the best way to get in this door. It may not be, hey, here's a letter, call me, let's sit down, I wanna buy your apartment. It may not work like that. It may be a different process that takes a little longer and appeals to different people different ways. And in doing so, you'll get the best response by creating a variety of offers to a targeted group. So let's talk a little bit more about your incentive there. You mentioned the coffee, free cup of coffee. Uh, are you suggesting that this would be like a meeting with, with me personally, or would this be just like, like a gift card or how are you doing that? I, I think it depends on how big a commitment you are to mailing to these groups. If you're saying, hey, look, I got this sequence, I can put together seven mailings. I would say one would be a free gift card and one would be a cup of coffee with me. But we have to show value. We have to, we have to find a way to, to make them want to meet with you. We've got to find a way to make them interested in what you're offering. So we don't know what those things are going to be. But then responding for a free Starbucks card at least gets them to raise their hand and allows you to take the next step. Here's a Starbucks gift card. I'm going to mail it to you. I'm also mailing a, a, a package of other information, you know, and we've got to put things in that package that would make people want to sell their, their building and give some benefits to doing so to help kind of move them along the process. So are you, uh, you know, with the gift card, would you suggest physically just giving them one or would they have to go in and sign up so that you have their email and all that stuff on a list and then get that free gift? Well, I, I think when they respond, you should collect all their information. They don't have to show up anywhere, but they have to call or go online and fill out their information. You know, here's the, here's the, give me the address where you want me to mail it to. Give me your email address so I can send you this free report. Even though you're going to mail the free report, you may email it to them as well. That way you've got their email, you've got their address, and you make a phone number requirement, you know? So you do collect all their information. Yeah, I, I really like that. And, and then there's, um, you know, obviously there's tracking as well. So you want to track, you know, with either a different email or so how are you tracking um, with, the success of yours if they're maybe they're also reaching out through uh, billboard advertising or some type of other advertising how are you tar or how are you collecting the information on the success of your campaign yeah so we would use you know like a unique um, phone number that's specific to the direct mail campaign or a unique url for them to go to so that when they come to that url the only place they could have seen that is a direct mail piece or the only phone number that, that, that is, that's given out is the one from the direct mail piece. So billboards would have a different phone number and, and the newspaper ad would have a different phone number and same with emails. But this would allow that you to track exactly where it came from. And then, uh, so you did mention, um, you know, on like maybe a first, you know, if you're trying to buy houses, you would do a small cheap postcard and just get it out to a bunch. And, and then we mentioned that we're targeting a smaller audience. Um, so what are some things that we could stand out? So we're not going to send somebody selling a million dollar apartment building. We're not going to send them a 35 cent postcard. Correct. Yeah, you're definitely going to want to send a letter and you can make it unique and different. Maybe, maybe the first letter is handwritten with a live stamp on it and a letter inside. Maybe the next one is some kind of like a six by nine envelope and you've got some aspirin in there and it says, you know, is your apartment building causing you headaches? You know, maybe the next one is a magnifying glass. Let's take a look, closer look at your finances. You know, now may be the perfect time to cash out on that investment, right? So we can be creative and send different things to make yourself stand out in the mail 
and make them remember you. Yeah, I, I love that you're thinking a little bit outside the box, you know, like the magnifying glass. So one, one of the things when I was thinking of some questions that I thought about is, I get a lot of mail that goes to the garbage before I even do anything. I mean, that's the first thing I do is I find the junk and I toss it away and then I, I figure out the stuff to look at. And having something, doesn't have to be expensive, but a magnifying glass in the, in the envelope or, you know, the aspirin like you suggested, that would certainly grab my attention, you know, at least yeah. to be like, what, what is this? And then try and figure it out, you know, and it gets me past the, you know, the ones that I filter out there are obvious junk, you know, so yeah. the, the um, you know, the postcards are easy because you see it's, you know, from a realtor, like, hey, I just sold a house in your neighborhood. I mean, those yeah. are quick for me, at least they're very quick to go in the trash. That's right. I really like that idea. What other, do you have any other things you might do to stand out on a, a more professional level? Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of things you could do. You know, you think about the, um, the Manila envelopes, the nine by 12 ones that are big and that you know, like, they're like a legal, like you put a legal document in there. You could send one of those handwritten address on there and then a, get a big red stamp that says classified. Well, geez, you got to open that up. I mean, what's inside, you know, or something else, you know, response required. There's hundreds of ideas that you could use to stand out and look different in the mail. Um, and you mentioned the word professional. I mean, yes, we can make it a form professional letter, but if you get a letter from an attorney, it's hard to read. Like it's that rigid, formal, professional looking letter, but nobody wants to read it. Mm -hmm. So with direct mail, actually we want to make it a little more fun, more whimsical and connect with the prospect. Like we're actually having a conversation with them. So sure, you could make it a professional letter, but you've got to write it in a way that keeps their attention. If it's too rigid and it feels like it came from a lawyer, you're going to lose them and they're just going to toss it, right? So we've got to, you've got to think about keeping the prospect engaged as in that sales letter itself too, not just showing up and getting it open, but taking that next step. So probably the length uh, is pretty important too then. So, you know, as you mentioned, that professional letter, nobody really wants to read it. You know, I think of maybe like emails that I get or, you know, something that I'm reading. If it's a paragraph or two, you know, I'll spend the time to read it if it you know, has my attention. But, yep. you know, if, if you send me an email that's, you know, this long, I'm just skimming it and I'm not really yep. actually reading it. Um, so I assume that applies to, is there like a length that you recommend or maybe putting bullet yep. points in there? Sure. So, um, and something like this, I mean, there's, I, I have letters that I mail out that are 80 pages long and we sell solar generators to cold prospects, right? So an 80 page sales is a long letter, but we're making money doing it. But for something like this, a one or, or a two page letter is perfect. Um, you don't need to go any more over than that. I think the key is you don't want to get lost in the weeds. I mean, you don't want to be so detailed that the person's like going, falling asleep reading it. It's got to be all about the prospect. It's got to be all about them. And when you're reading a letter that's all about you, you tend to read a little bit more, right? So if we keep it focused on them and how um, the things that you can offer them will make their life better, easier, more profitable, smoother, whatever, then they're going to read a bit more. So a one to two page letter would work great. I'm thinking a one page letter would probably be perfect for this um, if it's written well, but it shouldn't be blocks of copy. It needs to be, like you mentioned, bullet points. It needs to be benefit-driven copy, and it could do very well with it. Awesome. Well, I, I think that, um, is there any parts that I've left out on kind of 
targeting the people you're looking for? Any questions that maybe I skipped over? No, I mean, we've, we've covered the three key things with direct mail is number one, the list. Make sure you have a targeted list. Number two, um, make sure that you have good creative. That's the copy, what, what the envelope, copy and design. Make sure that when it shows up, it doesn't look like those junk mail pieces you're throwing away. Make it look different enough that the person has to do something with it. And number three is the offer. What is it that they're gonna, what's gonna appeal to them to get them to take the next steps? Um, if you put the offer down as, hey, meet with me, I wanna buy your apartment building, it may not be enough. That may not be appealing to them. They feel like it's gonna be a sales pitch or something. So instead, it may need to be something else. Hey, get these, this free report on 10 tips on how you can make more money with your apartment building or, or hey, here's a free Starbucks gift card on me, you know, something, something else that's more appealing than just a meeting. So those are the three things. Let's cover those a little, a little deeper then. On, on the list, um, where do you suggest going to get lists and how, how does somebody get those? Well, um, there's, there's like hundreds of list brokers out there and available. You know, you do a search online for list broker um, and they can help you. You know, we want to find the ones that are specific in your niche. Um, there's some that specialize in, in supplements. There's some that specialize in financial publications. There's some that specialize in students and parents of students. So we need to find one that specializes in property. Um, and I, I, offhand, I don't know who that specifically is because um, there's lots of different sources to go get that. But you, you finding the list broker to work with would be key. Okay. And then, um, and then you mentioned kind of that call to action. Did you have any deeper thoughts on, you know, what a good call to action might be? Or you called it, uh, you didn't call it a call to action, but. Um, the offer. Yeah, the offer. So yeah. with the offer, do you have, you know, you said, just come meet with me. They're probably not going to be too excited about that. And I probably agree. You're probably right there. So, you know, they're, they're dealing with a lot of brokers calling them. So they're used to people approaching them. Uh, do you have a, a quick thought on an angle that, that someone might take for that? I mean, the, the free report, free information is usually the easiest barrier to entry um, to get across to people. And if it's something that answers a question that keeps them awake at night, that's going to be even better. So let's say that their biggest problem right now is the tenants calling them after 10 p.m. Let's just say that's what it is. You could have for a free report say, hey, here are seven tips to help you prevent your tenants from calling you after 10 p.m. Or maybe their biggest struggle is all these brokers call them. Here's seven tips to keep brokers from calling you. Or maybe, you know, I don't know what we have to, I'd have to know more about the industry and what their pain points are. And then offering a free report that addresses those pain points. And then at the end of the free report that they get in their hands ties back to you somehow, right? So you got to create the full circle. Yeah, that's, um, that's a great point. And then um, before we wrap this up, I did, uh, you do write some books as self-promotion. And although this is not the direct topic that we're talking about, I, I think it's important because when you're sending out a direct mail, they're, they're quickly assessing, do I want to deal with this person? Do I want to deal with Craig or do I want to deal with Reed? And um, you know, part of the reason I do the podcast is for promoting myself. And, and I've been looking into writing my own books uh, as well, and you've done it. So I want to talk a little bit about that and how it grows your credibility and how sure. you use that, uh, if you don't mind spending a moment on that. Of course. 
Yeah, so the thing that's wonderful about books is that people think that when you've written a book that you're instantly the guru on the topic. And so you become this trusted advisor in a sense. So if they're comparing you versus somebody else and you've got the book, you look more credible than they do. Um, I have one of my clients uh, who's a dentist. He wrote a book. Well, who wants to read a book from a dentist? Absolutely nobody <laughs> about dentistry, right? Yeah. But what makes it different is everyone who's looking for a dentist thinks higher of him and his credentials because he has written a book, right? It makes him different and unique. So books are great for building credibility. For me, um, I, I've put great content information in there. So I have people who read the books and then they come to me and say, Craig, this is great. Will you coach me on it? Will you help me get to the next level and learn more about what it is you're an expert on? So for me, that helps out too. Um, it's a great way to attract um, new business. So maybe you write a book um, and there's someone who owns a, 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 an apartment building and they get a hold of it and they read it. They may all of a sudden see you as an expert and come to you and say, hey, I've been thinking about selling. Can you help me with that? And then there's an opportunity for you to say, well, actually, I'd like to buy it, you know? Yeah, and I think, I think those tie together very well because I, I think, you know, if you were to write a book, you know, let's say on how to sell your apartment tax-free or, you know, how to, how to shelter your tax on a sale or, you know, because that's a big point. You know, these guys have depreciated the value of their apartment, you know, if they've owned it for 20, 30 years, um, there's going to be a large tax bill to pay when that sell a sale and then there's ways to mini, um, minimize that and i think if you were, were to write a book on that or maybe some topic like that that would tie in amazing with with a direct mail sure. campaign yep so, yep um those are oh, go ahead yeah i was just gonna say i mean that's a perfect kind of offer right and you named a couple things there so you have the book that deals with these tax things that's something they probably think about often that would be a great offer hey request my free book on this, on these tax things. That's, that's a big deal. That, that will get them to respond. And now you've got a connection. As soon as they get your book, you've got a connection with them. And now you have a reason to follow up. And when you call them, they're going to recognize your name and be like, oh, he's the guy that wrote the book. I do want to talk to him. Yeah. Um, and if you can't write the book, write the free reports about the same topic, right? It's the same thing. It gives you credibility. It's an easier way for them to get in contact with you and it's an easy way to start the relationship. Yeah, that's, uh, that's all great advice. So I, I'm definitely a lot more convinced on uh, direct mail than I was a half hour ago. So Wonderful. I appreciate, <laughs> appreciate you taking the time to that. Um, and uh, so, so Craig, tell us a little bit about what you can offer somebody if, if they're looking for some guidance, if they need some help getting started or, you know, get them, getting them rolling and uh, how would they also, how would they get a hold of you? Sure. Um, I mainly help people three ways. One is education. I've got books and courses on direct mail marketing and copywriting and all that. So if they go to my website, simpson-direct.com, you can get act, you can see where you can buy my books and courses and things. The second thing I do is I do coaching. So if somebody's doing direct mail campaign and they want someone to look over their shoulder and give them advice and feedback, I coach companies on that. And then the third way I help businesses is the majority of my business is managing direct mail campaigns for companies, meaning getting the copy done, the list, the design, the, you know, the whole thing, mailing it out and tracking the campaign. So, so it's a, kind of a private client managing the campaign forum. So if you're interested in any of those three things, information, coaching, 
or management, um, just go to simpson-direct.com. Is there a certain size? Um, so, you know, like if, if you're, um, we'll say somebody looking to send out the 500 or 50 emails, sure. um, is that too small for you or is that something that would be good size for you or? It's, it's not about the size of the mailing, it's about the value of the customer, right? So um, I have a dental office who I mail 250 pieces at a time for getting people to come back in for crown, for getting their crown work done. Well, it's a an expensive procedure and they got a great ROI on it, so it's worth it to them. I've got a real estate investor who's looking to buy property, you know, so we may only be mailing a few thousand pieces, but every time he gets to buy a piece of property, he gets a great return on investment on it. So it's not about the number of pieces, it's about the ROI. If there's enough meat on the bone, if you're saying, hey, I want to mail, you know, a thousand pieces and promote my book for $29.95, it's not going to be worth it for me or for you to pay me to help do that for you, right? Because the return on investment is too low. So if you've got a high value client that you're trying to reach, then that's where it becomes uh, more economical for you to, to use my type of services. Great. Well, that, that puts things in perspective. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on and um, I appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you.